You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Hey, City Tribe. My name's Lee. I'm one of your tribe teachers. And today we're kicking off a series of sermons we're calling... Well, I'm not yet ready to tell you what we're calling this series. You'll have to stick around to hear our theme for this summer. But I will tell you, we're doing this series out of obedience to how we feel God has directed our tribe. If you want the full details of what I mean, listen to the concluding story of a teaching titled, The Return of the King. I won't get into those details, but in a nutshell, we believe God's directed our tribe to better know him. That is, to better know his personality, his preferences, and his perspective as he prepares us for whatever he plans to do next in our world. And at least for me, this direction from God to better know him, it couldn't be more timely. It seems like everyone today is using God to support and promote their positions on matters, and it can be quite confusing. In fact, it can be really frustrating for that matter. For example, some have said the COVID-19 pandemic is God's punishment on the world for our sins. Others have said, God didn't force anyone to eat an infected bat, but he will use this pandemic for his glory. So which is it? And perhaps you've heard some suggest that you shouldn't say black lives matter because to God, all lives matter. And others retort to that saying, of course, all lives matter to God, but he leaves the 99 to care for the one. And right now our black brothers and sisters are the ones who need to be cared for. Well, maybe like me, you've unfollowed, unfriended, or blocked someone spewing hate in God's name. And On top of all that, there's no shortage of politicians using faith in God to appeal to their bases. And they're all saying essentially the same thing. And so all these mixed messages about God are really confusing. And from a spectator standpoint, this God sounds really fickle and inconsistent. In fact, this God sounds a lot like whatever gets our point across and keeps us in power and helps us profit. Now, here's what's both hilarious and actually kind of frightening about so many people using God to support their positions. In their 2019 State of the Bible report, Barna Research found only one in 20 Americans actually engage with the scriptures and allow for them to inform their decisions and shape their life. Only one in 20. And in that same research, more than one in three individuals in America reported never even cracking open a Bible, having never read the scriptures. So it's no wonder eight out of 10 Americans believe the quote, God helps those who helps themselves is a scripture found in the Bible. And just to be clear, it's not. Barna's research shows that our country is trending to more and more unfamiliarity with who God actually is, what he's all about and what he wants. We are on a trajectory to not knowing God at all. And that makes you and me, our children, our grandchildren, susceptible to having our faith shaped by fallacy, mistaken beliefs and inaccurate information. So in confusing times like this, it's especially critical. You and I don't learn who God is from social media or the news, a politician or your crazy thea. It's critical we learn exactly who God is from how he revealed himself to us. And that's what this whole series of sermons is about. So these next several weeks, especially this summer, Better Knowing God is exactly what we're going to do together. 
Together as a tribe, we're gonna journey through a portion of the scriptures that emphasizes knowing God intimately. We're gonna dissect section by section an account of a Jewish man who claimed to have known God personally and to have walked with him. We call that account the Gospel of John. And so if you have your Bibles, digital or physical, get them out and turn to the Gospel of John. Some Bibles will simply say John at the heading. Also, get out your notes to write with. Now, who exactly is God as revealed in John's account? And what might God want us to better know about him in order to help us navigate uncertainty and confusing times like today? Well, to make the most of studying John's account, it helps to acknowledge certain circumstances surrounding it. Scholars believe John wrote his account around 90 AD. By then, John was a relatively old man in perhaps the final season of his life. Many of his fellow Jews who protested against the tyrannical Roman Empire, they'd have been killed in Emperor Nero's persecution starting in 64 AD because they did not worship him as a god. Or many were killed for their opposition to Rome's oppression during the siege of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And so old man John was among the last of a dying breed and he didn't want his intimate knowledge of God to simply die with him. He wanted all the world and future generations like you and like me to believe what he personally experienced so we too would know God as he knew him. And it's why he wrote this about his experiences. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true. And he knows he's telling the truth. And then again, John wrote this about himself. And you can just sense his urgency and his unswerved conviction. He said, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Reading John's words, it's as if he's a loving grandpa who's desperate for his family to discover all he had heard and witnessed and participated in and experienced firsthand with God. And so make a mental note of this. As you and I read John's account this summer and hopefully the rest of your life, I want you to read it as a farewell letter from a dad or a grandpa who wants the best life for you. Now, something else to consider as we study John's account to better know God. John revealed this often overlooked matter and it certainly played a role in what he knew. He wrote, from that hour, a fateful April day in 33 AD. The disciple, referring to himself, took Mary, the mother of God, into his home. John revealed from an April day in 33 AD until whenever she died, he cared for Mary, the mother of God. This admission alone says a lot about what John believed and how his life up to that point had been impacted. But that's besides my current point. Based on what is recorded about Mary, we know she had tremendous faith in and familiarity with God. Mary was from a tribe called Judah, a tribe known for loyalty to God. And they were always the first on the front lines to fight for him during conquests. She even put her loyalty and reverence for God on display in a song she wrote that's collected for us in the Bible. And so can you imagine that a faithful, God-fearing, God-revering Mary never talked with her caretaker, John, about God? Can you imagine they never debriefed together what they each experienced and what they each believed? Yeah, I can't imagine that either. It'd be quite odd if John and Mary never discussed what they knew. 
I imagine John would have asked Mary about her experiences as the mother of God, what it was like raising him. I imagine Mary found comfort and joy talking about her baby boy, talking about her son who served, as you're gonna hear in a couple of weeks, the most amazing wine. So for me, it's reasonable to consider that what John believed was also shaped by caring for the mother of God. And so my point is, when you and I read John's gospel, in addition to reading his account as a farewell letter from a loving dad or grandpa, you and I must also consider that John saw the quality of life Mary's intimate knowledge of God produced. And caring for the mother of God would have contributed to what John knew about him. And so with all that in mind, what might Grandpa John have known about God? What might he have learned that he wanted you and me to believe in order to live our best possible life? Well, in the opening lines of his account, this is what John wrote. He wasted no time telling us. He wrote, in the beginning, sound familiar? We'll come back to that. In the beginning was the word. Now, the word was a Hebrew concept for divine wisdom and power. And the word, this divine wisdom and power was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, even if you're not at all familiar with the Bible, my hunch is you've at some point heard the phrase in the beginning. It's the first line of our faith's creation story recorded in the Bible's first book, Genesis. And it reads in its entirety this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So John paralleled the opening lines of his account with the opening line of the Genesis creation story. Why might John have done that? What point might John have hoped to make in so doing? Well, in the creation story, the word recorded for God is the Hebrew Elohim. Elohim is a title Jews used for the one and only living God. The title Elohim has huge implications for us because as this creation story unfolds, we see Elohim's nature. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. He formed nothingness into our universe. With his divine wisdom and power, he simply spoke and sparked light that drove out darkness. He separated the waters of the earth from the waters of the sky to fashion for us an atmosphere. He then gathered together all the earth's waters to create dry land. He then produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit-bearing trees. Elohim, in all of his wisdom and power, he orchestrated the rhythms of days and seasons and years, and he generated an abundance of animals in the sea, in the air, on the ground. He provided livestock and wildlife, and then we see why. We see more of Elohim's nature. Elohim then created man in his image breathing into man's nostrils, the breath of life. He made sure that man was cared for, that the land was filled for him, that there was a fullness for his creation. And when Elohim did all of this, he blessed it. That is, he adored all of it, saying that his creation was very good. So from this creation story, we see Elohim is the creator of all things who adores his creation. And John paralleled this too, saying, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so John's point in paralleling the opening lines of Genesis was to say that this word, this embodiment of divine wisdom and power that I'm writing about, yeah, he's 
Elohim from the creation story. And just so we could be abundantly clear who he believed this word and Elohim was, John wrote, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The one and only son, Jesus Christ, who is himself God, he has revealed him. John believed and wanted you and me to know that the one and only living God, the creator of all things who adores his creation, he took on human form in the person of Jesus. And this is what we at City Tribe believe. So whenever you hear us at City Tribe say Jesus, I want you to think God revealed in human form. When you hear us at City Tribe say Jesus, I want you to think God revealed in human form. And whenever you hear us say Jesus, I want you to also think creator of all things who adores his creation. Now, I know this creation story for many raises all sorts of questions. I know for some reading Genesis is a deal breaker. It's the reason you struggle to believe in God. It appears too far-fetched and incongruent with science. And I totally admit some of the stories in Genesis can sound super silly, but among the many reasons, here's just one reason I'm convinced a creator who John called Jesus exists. Dr. Stephen Meyer is a scientist and a philosopher. He currently directs the Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture in Seattle, Washington. And he didn't earn his doctorate of science at a school with questionable academics. He earned his doctorate at the same school as the famed physicist Stephen Hawking and the father of modern science, Isaac Newton. He was educated at the respected and the renowned University of Cambridge. Dr. Stephen Meyer is the real deal. And so listen to what his research revealed about creation. Biological form requires biological information. DNA molecule stores information in the form of a four-character digital code. Strings of precisely sequenced chemicals supply the assembly instructions, the information for building the crucial protein molecules that living cells need to survive. Chemical constituents in DNA function like letters in a written language or digital symbols in a section of computer code. Just as English letters convey a particular message depending on their arrangement, the sequences of chemical bases along the spine of the DNA molecule convey precise instructions for building proteins. Building new animals requires many new protein molecules, and building new proteins requires new biological information. If you want to give your computer a new function, what do you have to give it? To generate a new function in a computer, you have to have code, you have to have instructions. The same thing turns out to be true in biology. This is the great discovery of the second half of 20th century biology, that information is running the show in biological systems. To build a new form of animal life requires cell types, requires proteins, and therefore requires genetic information. If you want to think about how to build an animal, how would these animals get built, you have to have some explanation for the informational requirements of, of their construction. The crucial question in the origin of animal life and the origin of life itself is where did the information come from? Information stored digitally in the DNA molecule, where did that information come from that is necessary to build these new forms of life? And I realized that the answer to that question is intelligence. The cause now in operation, the cause of which we know from our uniform and repeated experience uh, that is capable of producing information is intelligence. Whether we're looking at a hieroglyphic inscription or a paragraph in a book, 
or a section of computer code or even information embedded in a radio signal, whenever we see information, especially when we find information in a digital or typographic form, and we trace it back to its ultimate source, we always come to a mind, not a material process. So the discovery that information is running the show in life, the discovery that there are these huge infusions of information in the history of life, suggests that a designing intelligence has played a role in the history of life. Look, you can refute Genesis all you want, but like Dr. Meyer found, the evidence for a creator is within us. Jesus, God revealed, left you and me biological information that he breathed his breath in our lungs. And so as we seek to better know God, you and I better know this about him. Jesus has the divine wisdom and power to turn nothingness into something for you. He can simply speak a word and spark light to drive out your darkness. Jesus has the power to separate you from your destructive habits and addictions and toxic people. He can gather together your family that's grown distant or fallen apart. He can produce for you, generate for you, provide for you to meet your every need. Jesus can breathe the breath of life into your marriage. He can resuscitate the motivation within you. Jesus adores you because you are created in his image and he sees you as very good no matter what you've done. So you don't have to wonder if he's for you. Listen, Grandpa John wanted you and me to know that Jesus is the living God, the source of wisdom and power and love. It's why John wrote next, in him was life. Life to John doesn't mean mere existence. It communicates a certain quality of life as intended by God. It's as if John recalled God's declaration for all of mankind when he said after creation, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. Look, I have given you every seed bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. In other words, the word John used for life means to exist with the fullest possible quality of life. It means to live experiencing the life you were created to live or as we're calling it in this series, life to the full. So in case you're new to City Tribe and wonder what we're about, or if you're new to what Jesus is all about, it doesn't get any more clear than what John wrote. Jesus is about life and life to the full. It's his very nature. It's what he wants for you. It matters to him that you experience it. It's why he formed and fashioned everything on this earth before he created man. And it's thus what we at City Tribe are committed to helping all of you experience. It's why we advocate for the poor. It's why we seek to elevate women. It's why we stand in unity with our black brothers and sisters. Now, if you too are about what Jesus is about, life to the full, if you believe everyone was created for it, give me a thumbs up, give me a heart, a smiley face, type amen in the comments, something to let us know that you are about life to the full like Jesus. Now let's be mindful of what John didn't write. John didn't write in amassing wealth and attaining to certain status is life. John didn't write in finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright or having your political party in power is life. John didn't even write in religious practices and applying principles is life. No, very simply, John wrote, 
in Jesus is life. And Grandpa John didn't come up with this statement all on his own. He didn't simply adopt it from Mother Mary. This was a declaration he'd heard straight from the mouth of God revealed himself. When confronted by a bunch of religious folks who rigidly followed the rules of the Old Testament, Jesus said to them, you diligently search the scriptures because you think you have eternal, here it is, life in them. Yet they what? Testify about me. They testify about Jesus. The crowds and even Jesus's followers would have been aghast at such an outrageous and irreverent statement. Jesus made the scriptures all about him. And this declaration is one of the reasons why Jesus was eventually crucified. So it's no wonder John never forgot hearing it. Heck, even today, people who claim to know God, they're uncomfortable accepting this statement plainly. Some cling tightly to the teachings of the Old Testament, hoping they'll produce in them life to the full. And I'm not saying the Old Testament scriptures aren't important. I'm not saying you shouldn't read them. What I am saying is that according to Jesus himself, the whole point of the Old Testament was to point to our need for life in Jesus alone. And so just a little sidebar tip on how I read the scriptures. Whenever I read the Old Testament, when someone has a question about them or I see a post on social media with scriptures, before I apply the teachings to my life or reply to a post, I ask two questions based on Jesus's declaration. I ask first, Jesus what does the scripture reveal about who you are? Your personality, your preferences, and your perspective. And then secondly, I ask Jesus, what does the scripture reveal about my need to follow you? And I ask these two questions based on what Jesus has said, because only in Jesus alone, the source of life alone, can you and I ever experience life to the full. And John had every reason to believe this was true. You see, for three years, John was in Jesus's presence daily and rarely left Jesus's side. And so John witnessed firsthand the quality of life Jesus gave. He recorded it this way. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John saw for himself how differently Jesus lived and how he engaged with people. He saw how Jesus treated the ill and the infirm, people with disabilities and the poor and the oppressed. Jesus was full of grace, that is full of acceptance and adoration and affection and blessings and mercy and peace and joy. He was full of truth. He was openly opposed to oppression and discrimination and condemned profit over people. And that's not all John saw. John saw up close Jesus willingly be brutally beaten and crucified by cruel Romans for the sake of the world. He witnessed a Roman soldier pierced with a spear Jesus's torso and saw blood and water pour out of his side. He saw Jesus's body embalmed and entombed. And three days later, John saw Jesus appear again in the flesh saying, peace be with you. And if you personally saw someone overcome death after they had predicted it, you'd forever remember your amazement with that person. You would give your full devotion to following him. And so John was persuaded in what Jesus had claimed, that he was the source of all life. He went on to write, indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. Having seen a resurrected Jesus, having received from him 
the Holy Spirit. Having the mother of God reinforce his faith. John lived with the promise of paradise in Jesus' presence. He lived with the promise that he could one day experience life as God intended, not just in the here and now, but for all of eternity. He was filled with grace upon grace. Thus, in 90 AD, Grandpa John still had life to the full. It's why he wanted you and me to believe his testimony. Perhaps this is why Jesus has invited us, our whole tribe, to better know him. There are so many other things right now vying for our devotion, promising life to the full, even good things like religious practices, yet they distract and divert us from the simple truth that John recorded about Jesus, that in him is life. So you and I have to get this. This truth has to be deeply rooted in us. Part of your homework this week is to internalize that truth so you're not easily distracted. Let it be the first thing you say when you wake up and the last thing you say before you go to sleep. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Save it on your phone's lock screen. Teach it to your children and your grandchildren. And because it's so critical to our quality of life, I want us to practice internalizing that truth right now. This part requires your participation. It's an interactive part of our conversation today, so I need you to play along. I'm gonna make a few statements and say, remind yourself, and you'll respond saying, in Jesus is life. All right, in just a few moments, I'm gonna make a few statements and then say, remind yourself, and you'll respond saying, in Jesus is life. For those of you watching the broadcast, the words will be on the screen. Now, if you would, go ahead and just hold your hands out, symbolically representing that you are receiving this truth. All right, you ready? If and when you feel insecure or inadequate, comparing your looks, comparing likes and popularity, comparing accomplishments, remind yourself this truth. In Jesus is life. Say that with me. In Jesus is life. Now, when you're depressed, afraid, grieving, longing for a change in tides, I want you to remind yourself of this truth. Say it with me. In Jesus is life. And if and when you find yourself putting your hope for joy in a person, in a policy, in a principle, in an institution, I want you to remind yourself of this truth. Say it with me. In Jesus is life. Won't you receive that? And Holy Spirit, won't you deeply root that truth in our hearts and in our minds? Now, how might we start to be in Jesus and experience life to the full? Well, what John recorded next answers that for us. Listen to what he wrote. He said, he was in the world and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. His own people did not receive him. So in order to receive Jesus and the life he offers, in order to be in him and experience life to the full, we must do what the folks in John's day didn't do. We must do what one in three Americans today have never done. We must first recognize Jesus. What exactly does it mean to recognize Jesus? Well, we see that answered for us as religious rulers debated arresting him. One of them asked, our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him 
and recognizes what he's doing, does it? And so to recognize Jesus means that we suspend our judgment of what we think about him. It means to actually listen to and learn from what he himself has to say. And it means instead of simply being passive spectators, we, like John, spend time following Jesus. We spend time in his presence, years in his presence to see what he's all about. In fact, the Greek word from which we translate recognize, it's a term used to describe knowing someone intimately. Like how you and your bestie are so connected. You know each other's preferences and perspectives. You know the right memes to send to make your friend laugh. Or parents, like how you're so familiar with your children. You can just sense their thoughts and their feelings. You can distinguish their cries in a room full of crying babies. This is what John meant by recognize. And this is where we start. This is exactly why we're doing this series. In this series, we're calling Better Recognize. We're challenging you to do just that. If you're a skeptic, a spiritual investigator, or an atheist, before you forever reject the idea of Jesus, read for yourself John's account about him and stick with us through this journey. Better recognize Jesus. Become more familiar with who he is, not based on what you've heard from other people or what you've seen on social media or heard in the news, but based on how he revealed himself in the scriptures. Don't make up your mind before listening to and learning from what Jesus himself has said. My longtime Jesus follower friends, I challenge you to forget what you think you already know about him. Let us deconstruct the faith frameworks that we've built based on what we've inherited from our parents or what we've heard in school or programs at churches or biblical principles that we've learned. And instead, let's better recognize the person of Jesus and rebuild our foundation of faith from knowing the person of Jesus intimately. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you read John's account with fresh eyes, without any presumptions. Let's all read together, asking Jesus the questions you heard me share earlier. Jesus, what does this scripture reveal about who you are? What does it reveal about your personality, your perspective, your preferences? Let's better recognize God revealed because only in Jesus is life to the full. Now, let me tell you what better recognizing Jesus, knowing him more intimately has done for me. A few years ago, I deduced that if Jesus was God revealed, then I should be especially familiar with what he said and what he did in human form. I decided I wanted to build my faith, my framework of faith upon the person. And so I decided for a season, I'd set aside the Old Testament and I'd focus only studying the accounts about Jesus's time on earth so I can see how he conducted himself, so I can hear what he himself said. And the outcome of this, the fruit of it is best described by what my good friend and friend of the tribe, Humbi Cerveda, recently shared. Not too long ago, we were backstage in the cameo theater in between worship gatherings. And, and he said to me, Lee, there's something different about you. There's a greater sense of conviction and urgency every time you talk. It's like you treat every time you teach as if it's the last opportunity you'll ever have to connect with people. And then I thought about it. He's right. Humby's right. I am different. Better recognizing Jesus has created in me a peace and a joy, 
positivity beyond my understanding. It's separated me from bitterness and biases that I've carried for decades. Better recognizing Jesus has produced in me a healthy confidence and a hope for the future that I've never had. It's generated an unswerved conviction for compassion and mercy and generosity. What Humby observed in me is perhaps that same passion and urgency in Grandpa John for you to believe in Jesus. I share this for the same reason John wrote his account about Jesus, because I am the disciple who testifies to these things I teach about. I know they're true. And because like John wanted, I want you to experience grace upon grace that we've received. I want you to know Jesus intimately because only in Jesus is life to the full. And in a world with less and less familiarity with God, and with more and more people's faith being built on fallacy and inaccurate information, we need you, the future needs you to better recognize. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, creator of all things, Elohim, we acknowledge that you are the one and only God and that you took on the form of human and revealed yourself in the person of Jesus. And we pray that the truth that John recorded for us, that in Jesus alone is life to the full, that that truth would be cemented in our hearts and in our minds. When things are vying for our devotion, when things are promising life to the full, I pray that we would recall that truth. Your Holy Spirit would bring it to the forefront of our minds and that we would know that in Jesus alone is life. Cement that in us. Lord, help us know you better. Thank you for John's testimony so that we could know your preferences, your perspective, your personality, and that you are good and that you adore us. We pray this in Jesus's name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. So in just a moment, we're gonna conclude this digital gathering with a benediction. But before we go and as we close, let me just ask of you three things. The first thing is to share. If this message has encouraged you in any way, if there's somebody that you know that you want to better recognize Jesus and to better know God, share this message with that individual. Secondly, if you would, subscribe. If you haven't yet subscribed to City Tribe Media, whether Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on our teachings. And then lastly, sow, sow a seed, support this ministry by giving to it so we can continue to get this message about Jesus, the one and only God into the world so that more and more people can have life to the full found in him. And with that, Brothers and sisters, may you go forth knowing the truth in the midst of all of this confusion and all of this fallacy and inaccurate information, the truth that in Jesus alone, you will find life to the full. God bless you guys. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.